This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Blue wire. Three on the way! Yes! Paul George nails it! For the win! All right, Dunks and Discourse, episode 39. Uh, Jabari's got the old Dwight edition in the notes. I was going to go Greg Ostertag, but, you know, here here we are. Those are our choices, the, the big boys. Uh, Super producer Varun is going to hop on with us today to talk about all the playoff series, uh, the NBA's rating crunch, Anthony Davis being a fraud, and a number of other topics. <laughs> but, uh, Jabari, how you doing, man? I'm doing all right. We're going we gonna to stop that because he's not a fraud, and that was bullshit last night. We're going to start this right from the start. Let's go. Uh, okay, so de- definition of a fraud. Um, I'll, I'll, <laughs> there, there was a little bit of a war in the group chat last night, no doubt, no doubt. But, um, you know, Anthony Davis got pegged as a top five player this year. There have been a lot of Lakers fans who are pretty adamant that this guy should be defensive player of the year. He should be on the MVP ballot. You know, there's like a fan saying he surpassed Braun, that this was his team. There's been a lot of noise with Anthony Davis, and rightfully so. He's a very good player. But I think the playoffs, especially in the bubble, are showing how valuable having a guy that can go and get, you know, their own bucket really is. And I think that's that's been a theme for quite a while in the playoffs, but it really seems like this postseason the most important skill, bar none, bar none is go get me a bucket. And I guess let's start there. Varun, do you agree? Yeah, I'm mostly siding with Josh, but maybe not as strongly as calling him a fraud. I don't think he's a top five player, and I don't really think it's his fault. I think it's just where the position has gone and where the NBA has gone. We're not in the 90s or even the early 2000s where you could post up a guy to get the most efficient shot. I don't think there's any big man that I would put in the top five in the NBA right now. I wouldn't put Joel Embiid there. I wouldn't put Jokic there. I wouldn't put Anthony Davis there. And... That's um, the only guy out of those three that I would even consider, and I wouldn't just because he's not that caliber of player right now, is Jokic. And the only reason I say that is he's shown that he can be a guy who initiates an offense. He's brought the ball up. He plays like a point guard, even though he's seven feet tall. The problem with Davis is that he's so reliant on someone to get him the ball. And that's not that's just the nature of, of his style of play. And we saw that this year when LeBron sat and it was just AD, where the team, I think, was like minus three per 100 possessions. And that's largely because you have guys like Rajon Rondo feeding him the ball, right? And you can't expect a guy to be efficient that way and to have a top five player like impact that way. Yeah. And I mean, Jabari, I know you're going to want to speak to this. So why don't I give you the floor, and then after that, I'm going to walk through some player-by-player. Player. Do we think X would be more valuable in the playoffs? Okay, I'll be real simple. It doesn't matter whether he's a top-five player. And, yes, you're right. 
the be ability to go out and get your bucket is the most important thing, whether it's the playoffs or beyond, but especially in the playoffs. Yes, that is that is very clear. Um, I, but uh, to be completely honest with you, he's not set up on this team to be a top five player. He's set up on this team to be a support player to LeBron James. This is everything is centered around him. He's the point guard. He's you know he's a de facto everything, and it is going to be that way until he until he retires. It's just that simple. But uh, we're going to stop saying this stuff about like you know he wasn't one. He wasn't. He shouldn't have been in a defensive player of the year conversation because he should have been. He absolutely played like a defensive player of the year. Whether you have him as your second, your third, or your fourth, that's fine. But we don't have to be disrespectful to the guy simply to make the point. Anthony Davis needs someone to set him up. Yes, on offense. That's not his game, going out and just crossing somebody over and getting the bucket. Does he have some of that in his skill set? Yes, but it's simply not going to be a part of his game. Well, and, and that that's that's the layer to the conversation. And and I have no problem with him being on the defensive player of the year ballot. I would have had him four if I voted. Like it's it's not like I think he's way out there. And that and you know what I'm saying, fraud, I'm trying to get Jabari upset. But I, I think he's closer to a top ten player than he is to a top five player. And that's what I, I, I think too watching the game yesterday and seeing Anthony Davis be at the three-point line. like he, He's not wanting to post up. He's not getting down there. He's got a rookie on him in Wenyan Gabriel, and he's taking an awkward runner or he's passing that ball away or he's taking a jump shot. I think he could. I think he could be more aggressive than he is. But that being said, he's still limited, and, and it is very much he needs someone to set him up. I, let me you don't even need him to – let, let, let me just quickly say this. I think it's funny that you expect him to go down into the post, but you have admitted on this show and on our previous show that that's not an efficient, you know, that's not an efficient bucket, and that's not the way that people should be scoring at this stage in the, at this stage in the NBA. Have you not? See, I don't that? think. See, I don't think he needs to go down into the post, but I think he needs to. He's he was over five from three. A lot of his shots were long twos or like a floater. He needs to be a guy who's. T- facing up from the free throw line and going hard at Wenyan Gabriel. I mean, it's Wenyan Gabriel or it's, I, I think they put Hassan Whites on him for a decent part of the night. He's got to no. be going hard go, go, going hard against those guys, using his speed against Whiteside and then using his strength against Melo or Gabriel. It's and, too, and, but it's too simplified to say that that he wasn't going hard. Like, like honestly, the reason why I really got mad in that chat is because you said like he was playing soft. And I was like, whoa, 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 time out. If you don't like the style that he's playing, that's one thing. But you going there, and this is why I brought up the Porzingis thing, not because Porzingis is expected to be a top five player, but because it's the style of play of a big man. Just like it was stupid for people to criticize Dirk for saying, calling him soft because of the style that he plays, just like it was stupid for people to criticize Pau Gasol and all and Porzingis, it is stupid to criticize Anthony Davis for not being a, oh, oh he's not the back-to-the-basket tough guy. You know, that, that's not his game. I That's agree with you. That's not the argument that was made, though. I'm not saying go post him up ten times a game. I'm saying we hear every single game about how Anthony Davis played guard most of his career. You have a rookie on you who is not faster than you, who is not longer than you. Drive to the hoop. Do not take a contested jumper. Do not be timid. I was also not the one who, who used the word soft. I don't like that word. I, I didn't like it as a dirt fan. That was yeah, someone you, else who I you, shared a you quote. You gave of it to me no. as a as a, as, a, as a rebuttal. No, no, no. Someone else said that on the timeline. I shared that with you as like I'm not the only one who thinks his game's off tonight. The other thing is I'm going to stop you on Dirk is if Dirk wanted to shoot 16 fades a game, he was going to hit eight of them. 
Anthony Davis isn't a shooter like that. That's not a, that's not available to him. That's not in his game. Do you, okay, so how many Lakers games did you watch this year? Oh, we're we're gonna go here. No, I'm a, I'm asking seriously. Because he he shot those shots all throughout the year. When he made them, it looked great. He ended up with 28, 30 points, and nobody said anything. When he misses them, then all of a sudden, it's, oh, God, he's the softest, this, that, and the other. Come on. Okay, Jabari, here's here's a reality stat. Okay, there were 37 players, and I grabbed all the all-star guys in the bubble, and I grabbed eight other guys. Jabari, he's 33rd of 37 in effective field goal percentage on pull-up shooting. He is not a great shooter. The only guys worse than him were Embiid, Porzingis, Jimmy Butler, and Bam. He's behind Vucevic. He's behind Westbrook, Siakam, Ingram, Jokic, LeBron, Tobias Harris. He's behind all these guys. It's, he, he's just not a great shooter. He isn't. And in the same breath, he's also 33rd out of 37 in the same group for going to get his own shot. So again, I'm not trying to say he's the worst player in the world the fraud thing was it, it was too much. But here here is the list of guys I think that are more helpful to a basketball team winning playoff games, you know, in, in the current reality of the NBA. James Harden. Yes. Luka Doncic. Mm-hmm. Damian Lillard. Kawhi Leonard. LeBron James. Giannis. Any issues there? Okay. No issues. So, You're so talking far, about the, be, the, the best players in the league. Yeah, yeah. So far, mm-hmm. fair, right? That's six guys. Okay. Here's the next Curry and KD. I'm going to give like the circle because they're not there, but that's eight guys. Okay. Here's the two you might fight me on. Jason Tatum, Devin Booker. Uh, Tatum, uh, Tatum, I'm fine with you having him in the same conversation. No on Devin Booker. Okay. And you know I'm a Booker fan. I know you are. I, I thought that would be I, – and I, I know it's small because like Booker didn't get his – Welcome to the league shine until the bubble, but I think that's where we're at with perimeter creation. And then as maybes, I did have George with Tatum and Booker, but after tonight's performance, I moved him to the maybes. <laughs> <laughs> I, won't, I won't lie. If there was a Clippers fan in our group chat, I would have been yelling fraud there too. I had Paul, George, Joel Embiid, and Nicole Yoka, just maybes. Um, it's a no for me on all three of those, but I don't have a problem with uh, Jokic being in the same conversation because I think they're they're around the same type of uh, type of tier. So, it me trolling you led to whatever, but in the end, you kind of agree with me. You you you're with me on nine, so that would have AD at about ten. My point being, he's closer than ten than five. Okay. And, but th- this is the thing. You were bringing up an argument that some stupid fan on Twitter... Like, I don't care about what these people say. I don't give a shit about what their opinions are. Like, so, like, if you, if, you were to, if you were to say, hey, AD is a fraud and just leave it at that, I would say, okay, he's just trolling. But when you follow it up with that, I think, oh, wait, he, does he, is he representing this as my thoughts? Well, like, it, it's funny, too. How many times do I make fun of you on here and you don't even budge? And then I was getting you with, like, AD slander, which, okay. I, which I never expected. So... Um, let me just be clear, and I'll leave it alone at this. And my bad, Rune, I've been hogging the shit out of this. Um, the Lakers have been out of the playoffs for like seven, eight years. Everybody that tries to play too cool for school, like, oh, I'm not phased by stuff. Get the hell out of here. The reason why we're all sports fans is because we're fanatics. Yes, there are varying degrees, but I'm going to tell you right now, I was pumped the hell up. 100%. That's why I sent you that text like, hey, man, hey, leave me alone. I was, my hands were shaking I, because I was amped. 
it's it, it's one of those things where if you come at me on the timeline, speaking generally, not you, if you come at me on the timeline with some funny stuff, all right, I'll laugh it off. But if you're just trying to troll, if you have a shit, if you cheer for a shitty str- a franchise, I'm no longer going to be nice to you. I'm going to give it to you with the same energy. I'm just letting everybody know that. Yeah, and Verd and I were both feeling that. <laughs> no doubt. You, you, you were coming back with it. Um, but but here's the thing, too. And, I mean, we'll get to, to my maps in a second. This is, this is the fan expectation thing, right? Like, the Lakers, and I, I can't remember who I should have wrote down. You know, somebody asked, like, in advance of the show, like, what's the darkest timeline here for the Lakers? And we do this with every team. We've done it with the Bucks. We do it with the Clippers now. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lakers really do have the most at stake here. There are a lot of picks committed. AD could opt out. LeBron is aging. They really do need to make the most of this run. So I, I understand the expectations are there. Whereas, like, a lot of Mavs fans were freaking out, thinking they were going to blow this lead all game. And I was so chill because I'm like, Lucas 21 and all of this is gravy. So it's, it, it's a different headspace to be in. There's no better place to be as a fan when your team is young and overachieving. There's nothing that's more fun because everything after that, there's a weight of expectations that's going to crush you unless they win it all. But when they're young, like the Mavs are right now, and you can just see a bright future ahead, all you see is the possibilities. And then you get to a space like the Lakers where LeBron's older, AD's young, but could opt out, like you said. That's when the expectations, the pressure starts to mount for you. Well, and that's the problem with like kind of the current NBA, right? It's like... Um, what's the situation with Anthony Davis behind closed doors? And and um, switching more to the series now, like it, Davis was on the year a minus three without LeBron on the floor. He, the Lakers were better, you know. Like it, it, it's an ugly number, and all year, all year, all year, you heard Rondo, 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 Rondo. He's not there. They don't have any other playmakers. I I feel like people often overestimate their basketball analysis abilities. But it really feels like Vogel's got to give Waiters a chance because they don't have anyone else who can create offense when LeBron sits. And he needs to play AD at center because all of those lines lineups are statistically better. But I, I, I still don't – I don't think anyone can concretely say, like, ha- what conversations have happened behind closed doors where there's still this reticence to make that move and JaVale McGee continues to play major minutes. I will go ahead and say something I haven't said before. If Anthony Davis, like if if Frank Vogel has gone to Anthony Davis and said, "Hey, I want to play you at the five, and he's saying no, then I don't. If I'm the Lakers, I don't want to re-sign him. I know that sounds crazy. I'm saying I would rather sign and trade him and go ahead and start over because at this stage in the NBA, he can be a good, a very good power forward. He could be a great center. So. Anthony Davis needs to play to five. Kuz needs to be in the starting lineup. And absolutely, you have to you have to try waiters out. When KCP is getting torched on one end and can't throw a pee in the ocean on the other end, take his ass out and see what you can get from Dion for a couple minutes. Like it makes no sense. That that's part of why that's part of why I think that, that something like that must have happened behind the scene. It's because I, I feel like this isn't it, it's like going you got a big cut in your knee and you go into the doctor's office. Like, what's wrong with you? You can see the cut in the knee. The Lakers don't have anyone else who can dribble and put a shot up. Waiters has to play. Contavious Caldwell Pope, like Danny Green, the shooting lows are what they are, but they're not going to create anyway. It's it, it's been it's been weird, and I think, I think the Davis situation is like. This is I'm kind of missing the media and the post game reports because somebody's got to ask, man. Like, mm. what what why isn't this happening? Like, as Javale McGee is like getting things ran for him and doing Javale McGee things, you're like. 
what's the, what, what's the holdup here on the change? And if if this was a regular season and someone was asking why isn't eighty at the five, that makes more sense. It's a long season. Mm-hmm. You know, LeBron even he doesn't want to play at the four as much, right? He plays at the three a lot more, especially in like the Miami and early Cleveland days. But this is the playoffs. This is it's it's rubber to the road time right now. You're down one zero in a series to a team that's got all the confidence of the road in the world. You have to put eighty at the five because then they can't play Nurkic and Whiteside together. And now you're really talking because now LeBron's got more space. Maybe the shooters have a little bit more room. They're a little bit more locked in. And maybe even if even if they don't make shots, now you have more space for you and for Anthony Davis and LeBron to just dominate inside because. I love Yusuf Nurkic. He's not going to be able to stop both of them. No, yeah. not at all. No, and 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 all, just just really quickly, um, uh, the thing with it is he plays the five throughout the game. I don't understand this nonsense about not start. Just start him there. Like the the whole Javale. I like Javale as a you know as a player. You know, he seems like a, he seems like a great guy. He seems like an awesome guy. Like on in the locker room and all that good stuff. But there's no reason why he should be starting starting in an NBA playoff game at this stage. There's well, just no reason. And it's, it's the combination of, like, JaVale and Dwight are playing, you know, 25 to 30 minutes a night together. Yeah. And that's just that's just too many nights to have two centers on the floor because AD is a center in the modern NBA, whether he wants to be or not. And I just want to say, like, the, the block that AD had on the Lillard jumper that then he ran full court and got, I think it was a dunk, was, mm-hmm. was, was dope. Like, he, he can still do some amazing things. I don't want to undersell him. But I, I think... It's pretty obvious the Lakers need to make some changes. And Vogel's quote today that he's still comfortable with the starting lineup was, like, gruesome. Um, you know, AD was the story. KCP and Danny Green going for, like, 2 of 14 from 3 uh, probably won't happen again. But what about LeBron? Because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the, the LeBron stuff is always reactionary, and I feel like I actually did a good job of staying out of it today. I thought he played, like, a on a report card grade sort of thing. I thought he gave a solid B. Mm-hmm. It's a masterful passing. That was, that box out on white sides like one of the craziest plays I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. Um, but his like reluctance to shoot and to like go score is also starting to get me a little bit worried. Like I haven't seen hell? it in the bubble yet, you know? But- I, I get what you're saying about LeBron, but I think a lot of it is he always makes the quote-unquote right basketball play. We saw it when he passed to George Hill in the 2018 finals, and then Hill got fouled. Here's the thing. He makes the right pass, and if the guy doesn't make the shot, that's it. You don't get the points, you don't get the assist, and it looks a lot worse. Here's a staff of second spectrum that I think is just insane. The Lakers' performance in Game 1 against the Blazers had the worst quote-unquote shooting luck for a team in any game since the 2013-14 season, scoring 46 fewer points than expected. 46 fewer points than expected. It's been six years since you had a team shoot this badly compared to how they should have shot. Yeah. How how much does the conversation change if they, they lost, I think, by seven, right? How much does the conversation change if three more three-pointers go down, right? Not only that, let's be real. They lost by seven. LeBron and AD can't miss fourth-quarter free throws. I recognize they, yep. they, they count yeah. the same. They count the same. I know this. I've coached. i played. I understand. But you know damn well two straight possessions in the fourth quarter with three minutes left, your two best players can't do that. 
So, yeah, the, if, if they just go 7 for 32, eight, but if they go 8 for 32 and just make split those free throws, it's a different game. And that's, to be honest with you, that's the reason why I feel confidently about this series still. Like, I knew it was going to be difficult. Like, for one, they don't have anyone They don't have anyone to check Dame. It's just that simple. They actually played good, de- solid defense on a lot of those buckets. Dude was just hitting them. It just is what it is. But I actually am on the same page as Josh when it comes to LeBron. I don't care. Yeah, I recognize he makes he makes the right play. That's that's fine. Be aggressive from the start. Stop sitting back. Stop waiting. Stop you know uh, you know trying to groove it. If they're missing, if if nobody's hitting a shot, start in the second quarter getting it going. Don't wait till the third or even the fourth quarter to get it going because that's actually what AD was doing in the bubble. I don't I you know I I have been waiting to see playoff LeBron. Everybody's been telling me about it. Obviously, <laughs> I've witnessed it. I'm waiting to see it. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I mean, I think the Lakers on the whole played a really good game. I mean, the the Blazers shot less than forty percent. I mean, they they, they weren't. Dame, Dame was obviously awesome when it mattered and hit some big shots, but he wasn't a world beater in this game. Um, but and, and to Varun's point, I I have to disagree too. You know, spade a spade with with Harden, and you know the twenty seven missed threes with Houston. It was like, yeah, it's unlucky. Yeah, the statistically, it's unlikely that this will continue. But the flow of the game is the flow of the game. The Rockets should have adjusted instead of banging their head against the wall. You know, LeBron was trying to make plays happen. And when he missed that, you know, he had that really nice, I don't know if it was behind the back or what it was, across the key to Markeith Morris. Mm-hmm. And he just it just went out of bounds. Like, it just wasn't happening. I very much understand he was trying to get the team going because they they're going to need other guys to step up and create their own offense. It was not happening. And he, he just needs to be LeBron. He needs to be the best player in basketball and go get it a little bit more than he did. Same same things we were saying about AD, if you're going to be in that conversation. But, you know, LeBron is LeBron. And I, I was, like, genuinely surprised at how, how passive he was at times in that game. Okay, yeah, I've, the- I, I've seen it. I'm, I'm sorry, I was waiting over. I've seen it um, throughout the year every so often, but for the most part, I'll be honest. Like I, you know, I actually no. I thought he was pacing himself in the bubble because you, you did you did point this out. I thought he was pacing himself, and I thought he was just going to be okay. Let's get it go. Let's get it going from day one. You know, when when the postseason starts, he's still doing it. So I'll tell you this: if the Lakers don't win Game Two, is it over? No, but I will say it feels a hell of a lot like two, you know twenty eleven. But if the Lakers, no matter what, if LeBron doesn't come out and play aggressively, I'm not going to. I'm not going to count. I'm not going to stat count. But if he doesn't play aggressively from the start, then I am going to start having concerns over, okay, well, maybe he just doesn't have that level in him anymore, and he's pacing himself because he has to. Yeah, I mean, game two is going to be interesting. I, I, I'm i not in the panic mode yet, but if they lose game two, I'm going to start. And it, not even just lose game two. If they lose game two and LeBron doesn't look like he can get his own score, mm-hmm. his own bucket, I'm, I'm going to start to worry. The He sat down with Chris Haynes today or yesterday, and you know Haynes tried to get it out of him. Like, what's this thing you're like being ominous about you're talking about you're dealing with something um i'm not going to worry about the, the joe varden article on the athletic <laughs> and some of these other storylines but they're like you know lebron is being lebron he's corny like this and he's i don't want to tell you but something's bugging me and he's been he's been rocking that vibe so haynes tried to get it out of him and he was like i'm not going to tell you on camera maybe i'll tell you off camera but i promise it has nothing to do with our team our team has the best chemistry i think he said our team had like zero percent bad chemistry okay. and it it, it, it is it's it's a little uh it's got to be kind of unsettling you don't want to hear that yeah, yeah and no jabari you go no 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 i, I go ahead all right 
it could like this we could we could be looking back on this like a week from now and think man we overreacted so much for to that one loss everyone who's thinking that this could even be a problem right this could just be one game of bad luck but if, but they've shot badly since they got inside the bubble and if you get unlucky three more times this Blazers team isn't great but they can take advantage of a team that's not playing to their full capabilities and 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 with that like we should go to another series but they're not great, but they're pretty good. I think the point has been well made. You know, like this isn't the same team that got swept last year. They only had two guys on this team that played minutes in that last series. Nurkic wasn't there. Melo wasn't there. This is this is a different team. This and, is not a, this is not your traditional AC. By no, not not by any sure. stretch. They're a four five in a regular setting. But let's go let's go across because you know just like LeBron was you know he's going to finish second in the MVP race. Uh, most likely Giannis um, had a big box score. The, the Bucks came out and uh, laid an egg, and and Chris Middleton took his lickings on Twitter, which is which is good because you know he was getting top ten hype not even you know three weeks ago, so that's going to happen to you. But are you at all worried about the Bucks, or is this a one-off, Jabari? I'm not too worried about him. I I, I will say what it. I was entertained. Laker, uh, Bucks fans were as pressed as Lakers fans were last night. <laughs> you know, I I get it. Yeah, especially you look. Know, even though I think the Bucks are going to roar back and win this series, um, I do understand how unsettling it can be when you drop a, you drop that opener, especially you know when you think you should just walk right through a team. I didn't think that with the Blazers, but I, actually, I you know I thought that with the with the Magic. Um, you know, shout out to the Magic. You know, I'm, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give credit where it's due. Vucci Mane did his thing; he destroyed them. Uh, props to Terrence Ross and Markell. You know, they did their things. But you know, you know, I'll say I'll save my rant for Magic fans later. Uh, I, I think I think the Bucks are going to be fine. There, if I was if I was like five percent worried for the Lakers, I'm like ten to fifteen percent worried for the Bucks just because Ooh. Orlando did exactly what you have to do against the Bucks. You have to let Giannis do his thing and make sure the guys around him don't beat you, and then you have to hit your threes. They shot thirty nine percent from the floor, and then Middleton and Bledsoe turned back into pumpkins. Middleton was four of twelve, two of six from three. Bledsoe was one five of eleven and one of five from three. Those two guys have to pick up the slack because Giannis is doing his thing. I, I don't remember his exact numbers, but he scored above 30 points, above 15 rebounds. He was great. Those other two guys have to pick up the scoring load or else this could turn scary really fast. I, I would say I'm actually the opposite. I, I think you know I'm like 30% worried about the Lakers. I'm like 15 on the Bucks because I just don't think the Magic can have another performance like this like Vucevic just eating them out and you know Brooke, Brooke, Lopez. Brooke Lopez was terrible yeah I mean and I read like the best basketball article I read all year was two nights ago Eric Name of the Athletic talking about you know how attention to detail Brooke Lopez is defensively and how great this Bucks defense is but you know similar to the Lakers shooting the, the Bucks defense has been felt so iffy in the bubble and I just you know how Bledsoe's going to be but Middleton's really got to step this next game up because you know, if they lose, if they lose two, then the bubble is going to be just chaos. If the Lakers and the Bucks both lose two, <laughs> I don't even, I couldn't imagine being on social media as one of those, as a fan of either of those teams. But uh, I, I think they're going to be okay. Like the good on the Magic, like you said, because no one was giving them a game. Honestly, the line was minus thirteen and a half um, for game one. So, yeah. Mm. Cool. Um, the Raptors are now two up against the Nets. The Nets actually played a decent game today. I was wondering if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving just randomly were like, let's say <laughs> the Nets win the next two, and they were like, let's go play. 
could could they do that? I I don't think they can. I think you had. I think they had to be like like active at at a certain point. But maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Well, actually, Rondo just came back and he's gonna play eventually. Well, and it's like if they got tested a bunch of days, would that not be? I don't know. I, I have to look that up. But I mean, they'd um, have to quarantine, obviously. But yeah. yeah. I mean, if they entered now and somehow the Nets came rolling back. I mean, the, like the Nets didn't win today, but I was like, if they won, like if they were actually had a chance in this series, or they won this series somehow, I was like, would they would they think about it? Um, that the Raptors are really good, and it sucks that I kind of always look at them through this lens. But I'm watching this Raptors team and how competent they are, and you know, shouts to Norman Powell, who's my dude, and just playing great basketball, making himself a lot of money. Um, if they had Kawhi, like to- Toronto would just be running through the playoffs, man. Yes. Like, it, it, it like I, I think that that wasn't a hot take before the playoffs, but but my God, like there's people who think already who are like maybe they are the best team still and they don't have Kawhi, like it it the Clippers tonight too and we'll get there, but man, it, it's uh, for all of the conversations and and mental gymnastics that people do with like James Harden and LeBron James, like what if Kawhi Leonard walked away from another title? Ooh, well, I mean. How far did the Clippers go? Like, like yeah. do the Raptors? Do the Raptors beat the Clippers in, the, in those finals? That would now that would be crazy. But we, I mean, we've we've ten times this year we've done the, like, what if Kawhi wins his third ring, his third city, and his third Finals MVP? Mm-hmm. What if the Raptors win without him? Uh, a shout out to the the Mighty Mouse crew in the backcourt. You know, yeah. you know, giving you twenty a game so far. You know, props to Masai, props to all those guys. Like honestly, I, I'm still going to pump my brakes a little bit with this Raptors team because because they're playing the Nets. I like what they're doing, and it, it this is kind of the warm up series that that I kind of alluded to, like you know when we last talked about this. Uh, but I'd like to see them against you know in that next round before I'm I, I declare them quite world beaters yet. Varun, anything on Nets Raptors for you? Yeah, I'm really, really impressed by the Raptors every time I watch them. They just seem to be so together, and every different night it's someone else, right? Last game, it was Norman Powell. That last possession, that defense that Cal Lowry played, just forcing the turnover, they're so well-coached. And Nick Nurse, the upgrade they made from Dwayne Casey to Nick Nurse is, I think, talked about a lot, but I don't think it's mentioned as much as a Kawhi uh, trade, obviously. And I think that's a huge part of why they won last year and why they're so good this year. Josh, I wanted to ask you though. I know that you had trouble, uh, like a, tr- a little bit of trouble, kind of seeing the Raptors as a like a top tier NBA contender for the title this year. Do you think that they have that guy who can get you a bucket late now that you've kind of seen them a little bit more? No, I, d- I mean, yeah, I do. In in terms of like, I think I undersold Fred Van Fleet and Kyle Lowry in that department somewhat. And, you know, Norman Powell playing the way he's played has been great. But, no, I, I, I really don't – I still don't think that, you know, when they play Boston in the next round, which is the series that I really want to talk about. So, hopefully these two wrap up, you know, rather quickly. But, like, I look at Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker, and I just have – you know, it's, it's been shared a bunch of times that the Celtics have a top-five offense and a top-five defense. I, ju- I just don't see the, the flaw with that team to the same extent that I do with Toronto. Specific, specific, particularly for playoff basketball. I, I get that. And, and, and the thing is, like, I think the Raptors honestly match up better with the Bucks 
than than the Celtics. Not that the Bucks are necessarily the lesser team, but just like they have so many options to guard Giannis between uh, between Mark and Siakam and OG, and they can throw him just a ton of looks. And the Bucks kind of have their own issues with like if Giannis is you know doing his thing and other shooters aren't hitting. Um, it would really come down to like how good is Chris Middleton, whereas like I, I think the Celtics just have so many more options. I, I really am like I mean we might as well go there because it's the next series anyway. But like I really like a, a week before playoffs started, I was I had a few beverages. I was you know feeling all right, and it was like after midnight. I was like you know what I'm kind of feeling like the Celtics might go to the finals this year, which is not something I've seen anybody say because it's Bucks 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 mm-hmm. and a little bit Raptors, and and I'm starting to feel like that man. Like they like they didn't even have Hayward. Kemba's still working himself back. Tatum's been unreal. Jalen Brown's had some big moments. They don't seem all of this like Embiid's going to eat them and they're not big enough and Tice can't do this. And I mean, Cantor's playing minutes for them and, and they're still, they still look pretty damn good. The Celtics are built for playoff basketball. They have those. They have two exceptional wings on both ends of the floor. They have a competent rib protector and they have three and if Hayward is healthy, four guys who can get their own shot. They're... I hate the Celtics, and it pains me so much to say this. <laughs> if the Bucks keep looking like they have, and I don't think they will, the Celtics have to seriously be taken as the best option to come out of the East. I, you know, in in agreement with each of you guys, I I was underselling the Celtics uh, earlier in the year. Uh, I, I acknowledge that you know, down the stretch. Okay, yeah, you know, obviously, if you if you go into the postseason, you know, with three, four guys that can go get you one, that's going to be an advantage. I hate that you know Hayward is out for what was it a month? Was I think that's what was a that that that's yep. what was announced? They said four I hate, weeks, I think. Yeah, I, I hate that. Uh, but yeah, you no, know, I, I I think I think the Celtics might be the best bet right now. You know, for your for your money, but. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sell all the stock on the Bucks just yet, and I'm still not gonna sell you know sell on these Raptors just yet. Yeah, I mean it'll be interesting. I it's it's early. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna say it's been one game like the TNT crew did at the halftime of Game Two, but uh, you know it's been a couple games, and Philly is is junk man, and and the other side is like is optimistic. Like I think before the bubble, it was like the Bucks are going to come out of the East, that's a given, and they're going to make meet the Lakers or the Clippers. Mm-hmm. You know, now there's at least some optimism on the Celtics side, on the Raptors side. The Bucks have lost some ground, I guess, in that perspective. Philly was a team that I think if, if they were healthy or some things went a different way, there might have been some people believing that about them. They look like junk. They're in a crappy situation. I just I got Eric Bledsoe hair salon vibes the whole game today. <laughs> Joel Embiid was thrilled to post up every single time. Didn't give a damn on defense. Mm-hmm. They just they were not playing like they they were just they wanted it to be game four. Is how that game felt today. I think Varun summed it up pretty perfectly in the chat when he said, "Poor Joel." You know, like we knew he was going to need to be special uh, for them to have a chance in this series. And even though he's been good, it's simply not good enough. Tobias Harris and Al Horford gave you 17 points on 18 shots, and that's not going to get it done whether Simmons is there or not. So yeah, and, and, and like I don't even like I he said that, and I, like, I don't even feel that bad for him because I just felt like he was dogging it at the other end all day. Like I just I and I know that his team is at a disadvantage, and watching Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris miss layups has got to kill you, but. Um, this 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 whole franchise like the 
Adam Silver fo forcing Colangelo on them. Hinky not getting to finish this. Elton Brand signing Harrison Horford, letting Shemek go, even though he's not looked great with the Clippers last little bit here. I mean, someone said, like, oh, Fultz killed them. I'm like, well, he didn't kill them. Like, at this point, like, Markel Fultz would be their best card. So, <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, he would. Alec Burks and Shake Milton really, like, I, I don't know, at least Fultz as long can kind of defend and he's got some confidence again. Like, it, it obviously with Tatum, this team would be next level, but the, they're just a mess. And, and to, um, you know, a bunch of people's points on the timeline, like, even if you've long, Jabari and I are both on the same fence where, like, Embiid or Simmons has to go for the other to be maximized, even if you don't share that perspective, who is trading for Tobias Harris or Al Horford right now? <laughs> Like, e even if you were like, no, you know what, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons could make it work if there was three other shooters with them. Like, who was trading for Tobias Harris or Al Horford to give you those shooters? And I, I keep seeing people suggest that, like, the Kings would give Buddy Heald and maybe Buddy Heald in the first for Al Horford. You're crazy, man. There's what? no way. No way. T taking Al Horford's contract back and giving yeah. that up? No, no. Maybe for Tobias Harris, and I think you wouldn't give up a first for that. But, like, wh why would you want that Tobias Harris deal? You think maybe you pair him in a different situation where he's the number one guy? I mean, it's the Kings, they, right? They don't need light. They don't need light skin Harrison Barnes. Yeah. They already got. They yeah, they are. They already there. <laughs> and and to be honest, like the most. And I was getting all those stats about guys who create their own offense and how often they pull up, specifically for our Davis conversation today. But like the most stirring thing is that Tobias Harris and Giannis have the same effective field goal percentage on a jump shot. Mm. Giannis, who the entire NBA is like, fine, shoot it. Like, the the defense on Giannis greater than 18 feet is like, you know what, if he's going to shoot it and not come down hill on us, cool. that's a win. And Tobias Harris, who's supposed to be this, like, you know, suave 3-4 scorer, has the same, is is just as likely to score um, on a pull-up, which is just maddening. I don't, I don't even, I can't even believe, I, I'm upset with myself that I didn't realize how bad he was this year. Devin George is rolling in his grave. Yeah. All, all those types of players from like 20 years ago are rolling in their graves. And so much money. 40 mm. million next year. Mm. So I think it's kind of established that you have to fire Bet Brown after this year. But do you fire Elton Brand too? Yes. You have to, right? Yeah. I mean, oh, th yeah. those two contracts have looked so bad. Well, so Tobias goes 33.5 next year, 36, 38.5, 40.5. <laughs> oh, my God. Like he's got that, four like, years left after. The, I'm sorry. Like they're gonna, they're gonna, unless he comes back next year with a vengeance and just looks awesome and is featured, you're gonna have to move like four picks just to move him. Like he, he's getting paid top ten player money to be maybe a top seventy five hundred guy. Like, shit. Oof. How many years does Horford have left? I think Horford has three. Hold on, I'll oh look it up as we go after this one. I mean. I, 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 if you if you're a Sixers fan, like if if you're Sam Hinkie right now, you're somewhere just laughing, right, or crying because your experiment is done. I think you'd be crying because like you you endured the worst part of it. You didn't get to finish. Like you you went through the worst part of the process where like pundits were saying you were ruining the sport. You know you lost fans. You had people doubting you at every turn. And when you finally you know start to put the team together. They kick you out, and now your your legacy, like the process, is going to be written off as this failure. And in fairness, we won't know how it would have turned out if that guy orchestrating it actually got to run it through. 
Horford, by I the way. I can tell you this. Oh, my. Yeah? Uh, just 27-5, uh, 27, and 26-5 after this. And I like I don't think Horford was worth that money. Like, him and Embiid was always going to be a tough fit. And I was semi a little bit more optimistic when he signed. And I was like, yeah, you know, maybe they can make it work. They're just going to go big when everyone's going small. Maybe this is innovative. But, like, mm-hmm. he didn't look as good with the Celtics last year, too. Like, he'd already saw, shown signs of regression. So that much money that many years is always tough, man. Yeah, and, I, I mean, they I signed guess... Two players. They signed two players who play the best the their the best positions of their best two players with Horford at the five and Harris at the four. Yeah, you, it's it's, it's a redundancy at the highest level. The Heat and the Pacers heat up one zero. Pacers Oladipo left early. He got you know good old poke in the eye. Um, it's got a number of issues beyond that. The Pacers are just you know gonna be here for another minute it feels like do you think the heat who we we did not mention alongside boston toronto and milwaukee have any chance of going through no, go ahead jabari i still think they have a shot specifically you know, and it, it, but it depends upon the matchup I, or at least i'll say this i still think they have a, a shot against against milwaukee specifically for some of the reasons that we've been you know discussing that they may be in trouble because they, because I'm not saying that they can shut Giannis down, but I think that they can limit him. And if and if you know you have a situation where those you know, those other shooters aren't hitting, that's going to, you know they they might be in trouble. I but for whatever the reason, like I think I would pick Boston against the Heat. I'm pretty sure, yeah, I would. Uh, and I might even pick you know the Raptors against the Heat, depending you know you know depending upon how they look you know heading into the series. So. I'm really curious to see Jimmy Butler shot really well in the in-game one against the Pacers. If he keeps that going, this is a totally different team. He was 2 of 2 from 3. He hasn't shot well all season. If he's able to put that together during this playoffs, it unlocks a lot more space for them. It was really interesting because Kendrick Nunn's played a lot of the season for them. I think he started at point guard for almost every game. Myers Leonard was a key piece of the rotation. Spolstra sat both of them. None of them got minutes at all. They're not afraid to switch things up at all, and I think that kind of uh, adaptability will serve them well in a playoff series. I think it's interesting. Um, I was going to comment on that too. Like LeBron's obviously the most ominous, but like Nunn and Leonard both started most of the year, and not only like Leonard hasn't played in the bubble like at all, and then not as not only is Nunn out of the starting lineup, like he's not even getting minutes, and. Uh, I, <laughs> Like I think I saw Spolster's quote today is like where it's more important than the roles we play or whatever, and it's like yeah, fair enough, but um, kind of curious what's going on there. But like Mick- Goran Goran Dragic is still a very very good player. Butler is you know the shooting has been the question mark, but that line that twenty points, three boards, four assists, four steals, two blocks, you know shot fifty three percent. You know he can still be one of the ten best players. I should have maybe included. Would you rather have Jimmy or AD? That's oh, the man. one that hurts. For this year. That's the one that hurts. Shut up. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It's, 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 it's AD, but it's a lot closer than I think you would have thought two months ago. Shit, I might go Jimmy. No, like, I'm going to be honest. Like I, I've always been higher on Jimmy than you were, like from the start. Yeah. You know, and you know that. Um, I'm I'm higher on Jimmy than, than a lot of people are. I think For- I've... I, I don't mind I don't mind the you know the 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 here today you know gone tomorrow shot as much as others because of everything else that he brings. Yes, and and so like again like you know he's just gonna go be a dog on defense. Mm-hmm. And if he if he can't shoot, he still gets to the line. 
you know, he's one of the five or six best players in the NBA, you know, creating contact and getting to the line. He's still going to go. And, you know, what are the Lakers' issue is that they can't get anyone to go score when LeBron's doing his thing. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't include him, but he should probably be in there. So, you know, ADs may be bumped to 11 now. Sorry. Man. <laughs> anyway, hey, uh, but hey, quickly on the Nun point. <laughs> Uh, part of the, I mean, part of the reason why he might not have played last, you know, or the other day is, you know, Dragic was was hooping. He had, you know, he was a real hooper, quote unquote, 20, yeah. 24, 6, and 5. You know, if you get vintage Dragic nights, you know. You, you know that explains him not play. starting, but not getting any minutes at all, was, I thought was kind of weird. At least, like, he that could is, play with a second weird unit, right? To not play. Um, I mean, we got, who, who would they start? Uh, who, who would they have as a backup point guard instead of that? Would it be, like, Tyler Hero kind of playing from the one? And Hero did play well, if I'm not mistaken. He was five for nine from the field. Like, like I, I was yeah. box score hunting a little bit, but yo, know, Hero, Hero played well. They, they had a little bit. If, look, if if they don't play to in in the next game, well then yeah, yeah. There's obviously something to that. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFLSundayTicket.tv. You can stream every live out of market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and your favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day. Everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore, so everyone can benefit from TheraOne's CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Worstland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments. He created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products uh, claim organic, but they still claim up to, they still contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the U.S., and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine. The cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm or targeted relief, and sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. And now through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire. But only until Labor Day. Go right to theragun.com slash bluewire. We'll have to go through these next three a little bit quicker. Um, but we'll, we'll do Denver, Utah. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, obviously, third most points in the playoff game. Uh, just just a phenomenal showing from him. And and a 1-1 series with Conley back game three. All of a sudden, I'm not as confident about Denver. They're going to have to find a way to defend Donovan because he's absolutely destroying him. As you just mentioned, I don't know what, what third, third most so far. Uh, you, you, can't, you, can't let, you can't have him going off. 
You can't have, you know, and then also allow guys like Clarkson to give you 26 off the bench. Uh, you know, every everybody else is competing. You 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 just can't. You, you really can't overcome that. Um, who who was checking Donovan in, in that game for the most part, or so far in this series? Murray at times. Mm. Tory That's Craig at mention. times. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think, like, it's weird because we went from, like, hey, the Jazz don't have Bogdanovich and Conley, and now Barton's leaving the bubble, and I don't know what's going on with Gary Harris, and it's like the Nuggets are having to lean a little bit harder than they might have wanted on a Tory Craig and uh, Michael Porter Jr., who defensively is anemic, and uh, Jeremy Grant and some of these other guys. So I, I think this is pretty open. This might actually go seven now. Yeah, I'd be here for it. You know, this was a question that I think we raised a while ago. Now seeing how, what you've seen from Mitchell Luch, by the way, Mitchell showed a, I was really impressed because after game one, they came pretty aggressively with some doubles at him, and he mm-hmm. passed out of them really well, eight assists in this game. Would you take a guy, would you take Mitchell or would you take SGA right now? <laughs> Josh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment because, like, two weeks ago, I think, was when I tweeted SGA greater than Mitchell. And uh, <laughs> I just, I, ugh. Denver's not a good defensive team. They don't have a lot of defensive guys out there, and, and he's killing them. And it'd be really easy to just flip flop, but, like, I feel like SGA's steadier all around. And he just doesn't usually get as many looks as, like, Donovan Mitchell took, like, 34 shots in that first game. Like, I, I looked it up. SGA's never taken more than, like, 22. So, um, <laughs> long way of saying, like, I'm, I'm just going to ride the line here because I feel like I'm taking an L on this no matter what. Donovan Mitchell's the better player right now. SGA obviously has a ton of potential. And with that, with the size and, 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 the, athlete, and you know, the, the athleticism, you would think, okay, ultimately, he might be, you know, he, he could still, he still has more potential. But right now, Donovan Mitchell's a better player, and that's okay. Yeah. That's yeah, fair enough. Um, Let's let's go to uh, let let's do Clippers and, and Mavericks because I, I think it's been pretty enjoyable. Um, I was really really mad about the Kristaps ejection. It sucks to see that kind of officiating. And and I think the rule of thumb for every league and every playoff setting should be, you know, there's no way the most memorable play from a playoff game should be you know an, an official decision. And that game was 1,000% the Kristaps ejection. But, you know, Mavs bounced right back. Luka's been phenomenal. You know, obviously broke. It's a juiced era. It didn't feel like the way it maybe should have, especially in the loss. But, like, most points in the playoff debut ever. And all of a sudden, this series is pretty interesting. He was... We've said so much about Luka and how great he is that I think you, you can't hype him up more than he actually is because... Every time you think he's hit a limit, he keeps going past it. Game one, I remember, it was a key. It was near the end of the game. They were down by a bit. Seth Curry comes down and takes a three in transition, misses it. And Lucas Pouting gives up the three-pointer to, I think, Marcus Morris. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of poise that you need that a young guy maybe doesn't have. And then in game two, you see him and he comes back and they come out to that great start, right? What? I was so impressed by the Mavericks, especially late in the game. Their bench unit was so good against the Clippers that Doc Rivers had to switch to a 1-3-1. This is a team that has two of the best perimeter defenders in the entire NBA, and they had to switch to a 1-3-1 because the bench unit of the Mavericks was just eating them up. 
Bomani Jones says it best. Zone is for cowards. I don't care if it's a part of the game. It's for cowards, especially if you've got two of the great, two of the great, you know, one-on-one defenders. And, and yeah, just across the board. Look, this should be a two-zero series. Um, I, you, yep. You're being gracious, Josh, and I respect that. This should be a two-zero series. They got cheated in that game. Do I? Am I saying they actively did it? You know, it no, but the outcome of that was messed up. I do believe that if Porzingis is there, they find a way to pull that out. It is what it is. It's 1-1. But much of why I thought the Mavs had at least a puncher's chance in this series is because of how hard those guys play for Carlisle. Like, yes, Luka's incredible. And you can wax poetic on him, you know, from here to tomorrow. And and, and you're not going to get me to disagree with any of it. And, you know, funny enough, even even some of our friends on the timeline have come around on him and, and, <laughs> and recognize the, you know, the error of their ways. Uh, but, you know, and, you know, Porzingis can be good to very good when he wants to be. But the Mavs get... All types get various types of you know contributions. You know, I I look. They're not my team, but I've adopted them as my second team because it's Josh's team. I love watching Tim Hardaway. I love Trey Burke now as a backup. Maxi Kleber does his thing. Look, anytime a Curry's beating the Clippers, I'm I'm, I'm feeling that. So here we are. Shout out to you Clippers fans because y'all were y'all were riding on the timeline. Magic Seth, fans too. Pulling up for that one, Kawhi's face was one very. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Very on par. Uh, like this team has just been fun. Like I, I honestly, even watching the Mavs squander as many leads as they have this year, and they're you know the worst clutch offense in the NBA, despite being the best offense ever, which is a hell of one to figure out. Um, it was just fun. Like I was like, even if they blow this game, like you know, Luca picked up some bad fouls. There's lessons learned. You know, Tim Hardaway Jr., Trey Burke, Seth Curry. You know, even Michael Kidd Gilchrist in in game one there, like getting to see some of these guys who people had given up on and were, you know, college favorites and had all these expectations earlier in their career be contributors for Rick Carlisle and next to Lucas has been, you know, like pretty awesome, man. And like the way that Paul, you know, Beverly being out is a factor, but the way that Paul George played today and like the fact that the Clippers are really leaning on like Montrezl Harrell and Marcus Morris to carry some load is actually like I'm starting to get in that danger zone where I have some some actual hope here here of how this might go yeah I have a bone to pick with Trey Burke because three years ago he was on the Wizards as the ever-revolving door of backup point guards behind John Wall and he was atrocious I think they took him out of the role midway through the year and we lost the playoff series because we didn't have competent guard play where is this coming from? He he wasn't on that. He got cut earlier this year by a team that I can't remember, and really? now he's playing really? big minutes for this team. Which I mean, like, I feel like he would be the best guard in Philly right now. Uh, yes. So, yeah, I forgot about that to be honest. Yeah, um, and man, I just it's just fun. Like he's he's just played well, and like credit Rick Carlisle. Like if people buy in, it works, and mm-hmm. he. he He's talented, he's got a nice handle, and he's aggressive. And, like, I mean, he took Marcus Morris off the dribble. He took Landry Schmidt off the dribble. Uh, he, he was doing some great things out there, man. Like, this is this is all of a sudden a really interesting series. And, again, though, like, the way this started out, if you did not watch game one, Luca turned the ball over five times in five minutes to start game one. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> this is going to be just a waxing. This is going to be... You thought it was going to be Jeremy Lin against the, the Heat you know, a few years back? Oh, oh, oh yeah. I thought this was, this was just going to be a biblical destruction type <laughs> thing. And then, you know, he, he gets hurt. He pops out. He has a chat on the bench. He comes back in, and then he breaks the the, the playoff debut scoring record. Like, Lucas, just really fucking special. Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say, but 
no 21-year-old in their first playoff run on an underachiever team against the reigning finals MVP should be able to do that stuff. And it's not like, you know, Kawhi was guarding him down the stretch there. He, he was taking Kawhi off the drill. It didn't matter. It, it's, it's pretty insane. I never would have thought that I would say the Clippers do not have someone that can guard Luka. And obviously someone was saying that on the timeline earlier. And if you remember, give them the credit. Uh, but they don't. But yeah, how, how worried about Paul George are you? I mean, Pretty worried. We've seen this before. Exactly. That's, what I, that, that's exactly where I was going to go with it. Like, we've seen We it. see it every year. Playoff like, beat. I, I don't remember him being a non-factor on defense. Like, yeah. Dorian, Finney, Dorian Finney-Smith and Tim Hardaway Jr. and some of these guys, like, making plays on him and getting around him. And, he like, you know, bad shooting games have been happening to a lot of people in L.A. But, like... He's he's not really been a contributor for the Clippers on either end. He's really struggling, man. Like, and uh, I just he'll well. give you one of those. Like, what's funny is we'll, we'll say this now, and he'll come out of the next game and have <laughs> one of those like eight for twelve from deep, you know, type games where and and and, and they and they just roll them. Look, he's good for games like that, and he's good for games like this. You just hope that these types of games don't happen too often and don't happen against the wrong teams. I maintain yeah. that the second he shot that Gatorade commercial in the playoffs when he missed like three buzzer beaters, it's been downhill ever since. That was the peak for him. It's no, it's done. It's done. Playoff that, peak. That's one of that's one of the markers when start these went downhill for him. That's not the only one though. But I'll, I'll let that go. I think like the the one worry I had about George and Kawhi when they came together, and I, like when we were doing hot takes and shot fakes, was just like. Neither one of them is great at like feeding anybody. You know, they're neither is a creator. Like they're both really good shooters. They can both get their own buckets. And like, in fairness, I don't want to undersell it. George was pretty solid in game one. He wasn't fantastic. He was solid. But I just think like George was waiting for his turn today and he couldn't deliver. And then like they were leaning on Reggie Jackson to create possessions. And and I was like, they, the Clippers just seem way too talented to have the lack of direction that they do. And uh, I kind of wonder like. Not unlike Doc Rivers in Orlando, not unlike Doc Rivers in in Boston, and the only time in the game, um, other than like after Kristaps got ejected, is Doc doing his damn hockey subs where like five guys in, five guys out. Like, hmm. I I don't know, man. Like this this team, if this team lost in the first round, that would be a massive underachievement. Oh, it would be a total joke. Yeah, it'd be like that. This is the Mavs are on house money. Just to be supposed clear. to maybe get a game. But to be clear, that's not disrespect. That's not being disrespectful to the Mavericks. And I know that no, you didn't take no, that no. way, but for Mavericks fans listening, it would be a joke because while, yes, the Mavericks are in this and should be in this, if you're the Clippers, this is not a series that you can lose. You just you – know, not, not, not if you're relatively healthy. You, you, you can't lose this series. I think we'll save the ratings conversation for the next one because we're, we're near an hour and we're recording after the games on uh, Wednesday night. But we, we will let's, – let's just spend a couple of minutes. We've only seen one game – of Houston, Oklahoma City. Uh, I did have a bit of a, a spat with some people towards the end of that one. You know, I think it was Oklahoma City was down 21 starting the fourth quarter. Chris Paul had not played well. He had like 12 points. He scored, you know, eight points in the next couple of minutes. They cut that lead to 10, and I, like, posted his numbers. I was like, hey, this is this he's, his game's kind of turned around. And people were like, no, no, like, these are empty points. And I... I I don't know how many people have played like basketball, but if you play bad through three quarters and then a fourth quarter, you ride that into the next game where like mm-hmm. 10 points, 10 point game with six minutes left in the fourth is, is not over in the NBA. And then, you know, Paul got to ride on a bit of a higher note. I, I did not see Paul's 
scoring burst in the end there is some sort of like stat padding. I thought they were very much still had like a minimal chance, but it was it was a weird the Rockets just stumped them early and they never got back. Eric Gordon had a great game and the math worked out for Houston. They took a ton more threes and they weren't better in any other way. They shot like 1% better than Oklahoma City. They were out-rebounded by 10. But when you shoot enough threes and you make enough of them, the math works out because you get just enough points to, like you said, knock them out early and then uh, with uh, get through the Chris Paul flurry at the end. I'm going to throw some, throw some rocks right quick. Danilo, CP3, and Steven Adams held up their end of the bargain. Your boy Shea and Dennis Schroeder, they didn't quite hold up their ends of the deal. That's like, like to be honest with you, for the, this is a game, in, of course, no series is over after one game. But with Westbrook out, and you don't know if he's going to make it back for next, you know, next game. But with Westbrook out, this was a game that I felt they needed to steal. They needed to, they needed to get this one to establish, you know, kind of establish, you know, the way the series was going to go, and they didn't do that. Is it over? No. But I'm, let's, I'm not quite as confident. I'm not, I'm not quite as comfortable about our picks as I was heading in. I feel really bad about it now. But although <laughs> I don't, I don't know what, you know, uh, Dan Tony said today. I have no idea when Russ is getting back, and I almost like how Houston played better without him. Like, the, they played better defense without Russell Westbrook out there. And they shot more threes, and they weren't reliant. And, and Harden did, you know, the load is the load. But Gordon was excellent. I mean, you're not going to get that kind of a Jeff Green game every night, granted. But Jeff Green played very good minutes. But their defense was stifling. Like, and, and go figure after that Donovan Mitchell tweet, like, Shea just laid out one hell of an egg in that playoff game. But, like, every, every time the screen came, like, they, they were trapping high, they're trapping low, they're, they were fucking busting through. And and they were they were swarming like both Paul and Shea were like significantly thrown off in that first half by how strong the defense was and how quick they were reacting, and you know it's a Chris Paul team so I expect them to make some adjustments. No offense to Billy Donovan, but that's probably where I'll throw my credit. But you know Gallinari was awesome. I I don't think it's over, but it was Houston came out like Houston played the way that you thought people thought you know Bucks Lakers Clippers should be playing. They were they were playing like a team that knew mm-hmm. they were better. And uh, contrary to the Twitter excusers, you know, they did what they're supposed to do. That's right. And, I mean, we talk, like Houston has every amount of excuses laid out if they lose, right? Westbrook was out. You had the layoff. Maybe Harden's not. I mean, Harden has all the excuses like we, you guys talked about an episode ago. But they came out and their de- their defense was so for a team that wasn't that great defensively, inside PJ Tucker was doing his thing against Steven Adams and Chris Paul for the first three quarters of the game, he looked slow and kinda old, I'm not gonna lie. He looked like he wasn't able to get around the screens as much, he wasn't able to get as much space, and they were they were everywhere. It was it was it was a really complete performance from them. Yeah, it was they were really good. Um you know what? If you haven't read it, we're gonna do it for the the Monday episode. We're gonna talk about the the never ending um, stream of excuses as to why the NBA has ratings problem. Um, I will just before we do that next week, I'll preview it by saying every time someone quotes you with the Nielsen rating, that only that only accounts for houses in America. So um, that doesn't include Canada. That doesn't include China, Mexico, Beirut. Germany, and it's uh, it's a it's a really self-serving conversation with literally eight percent of the world's population being accounted for. So, when you read those, if you do go read Strauss's piece on the Athletic, keep that in mind as you read through. Think about what agenda works best for you, so that you can tell us on Twitter why the NBA has ratings issue. We'll talk about that next week. 
Um, if you haven't yet, please like, rate, subscribe, review the podcast. We really appreciate it, and we'll catch you on Monday. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball back in action, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all odds, futures, and prop bets to bet on, all available 24 7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experience.